Welcome to the Solve Crimes with Rick and Gavin podcast. We present cold case crimes that we feel can and should be solved with your help. We provide the facts of the case and the research that we have done. Then web sleuths like you help us solve the mystery and provide the victim, family, community, and law enforcement with justice and peace of mind. This is Solve Crimes. Welcome to Solve Crimes with Rick and Gavin. I am Rick Tracewild. Gavin Fish here. How's it going, Gavin? Good. Did you have a good weekend? Easter I did. weekend? I did. Yeah. Nice weather out here. I don't know how it was. Uh, yeah, it was nice. Where you were. Good. Uh, here in Pennsylvania. Yep. It's it's a beautiful time of year. Glad yeah. to be able to get outside and not have to slog through snow. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to worry <laughs> about that. You, you don't have to shovel snow out there not. in Northern California? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, we have to shovel other stuff. <laughs> I think that's everywhere. So we, uh, yeah, we're, uh, so we're three weeks in a row. We're, we're staying on top of this, uh, podcast thing. We're, we're committed to making sure we're, we're providing good new content on this thing. And following up on some of the things that are happening on our YouTube channel, which, yes. uh, I don't know why it continues to surprise me movement that happens every time that we publish a video or talk about something. I new, think it's but... because you you're you were surprised overall because I remember telling you, you know, we're going to get people calling us and you're like, Shh. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but I am, too. It's it's just really, you know, it's amazing uh, that I mean, I, I think people are genuinely moved by these cases and the victims. And, and so they they reach out and I think we're easier to reach out to than the police. Yeah. And if you're listening to this podcast and you have a case that you want us to take a look at, or, you yeah, know, something don't call. About... We're overloaded, man. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Go to our website, solvecrimes.tv. There is a contact us form. We call it our clue tip form. And uh, you can remain completely anonymous or you can give us your contact information, however you want to do it. And, uh, and we look at each one of yours. Oh, wait, that's a, that's a Q-tip. That's a, di- that's a Q-tip. Not a clue tip. Okay. Got it. That's right. So, uh, yeah, please reach out to us if if there's something you want us to be talking about. Uh, today, Rick, I wanted to kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of go over some of the things that happened since we published our last episode on the Amanda Winkowski case right. in Buffalo, New York. Yes. Um, when do we publish that? Thursday? We Friday? published that Friday. Okay. Yeah. Now, in this latest episode, we talked about, basically, we believe that Amanda Winkowski was hit with a, with a handheld stun gun prior mm-hmm. to her death yep. and that the Erie County medical examiner's office completely ignored that or they couldn't see it. I, what, whichever. And we had the venerable Kenny Clark on the, on the show. We did. Dr. Clark. Listen, guys, <laughs> that guy is so impressive. And actually, let me, let me say this too. Dr. Clark is a quadruple certified forensic path or pathologist. He's, he's certified in forensic pathology, clinical pathology, anatomic pathology, and neuropathology. The guy, the guy's amazing. And he, he 
teaches pathology in colleges, right? At Syracuse University of SUNY Upstate New York. So, uh, and then of course, the thing that I really love about him, Rick, is that he's an electrical engineer. And when I, I talk about my nerdy sound things, know. he knows what I'm talking about, which yeah. is pretty cool. Plus, I think he knits. I mean, he just does everything. He prob- <laughs> Yeah, he probably makes <laughs> stocking caps for the homeless. I know. No, we, got, we, got the, we got those big old giant stockings for Christmas that he made us, remember? <laughs> we did. Full, full body size. Yeah. My wife thought it was kind of strange, but yeah. yeah, we had to hang it from the ceiling instead of the mantle. I don't think mantle. he sleeps. Yeah, he's pretty great. Um, but he told us exactly what we would need to do to prove that Amanda Winkowski was stunned with a stun gun. Yes. And it will require that we exhume her body a second time. And yeah. we hope, there's no guarantee, we hope that she was well enough preserved uh, when the funeral home embalmed her that we'll be able to take a biopsy of the This isn't something face. that we're going against anybody's wishes. Her, uh, Leslie, Amanda's mom, is on board. I mean, she... As you can imagine, she whatever it takes to to get this across the finish line. I didn't her. even ask her if she was willing to do it. I was just describing what it would take to do it, and she was like, "Let's do this." Exactly. Yeah, it was like that. It's it's super hard. It's not a you know just as human beings, it's a, not a fun thing to think about. But we're you know yeah. it, there's a there's a mission here, and there's things we need to do to get that done. So we announced in our video that. Uh, it's going to cost many thousands of dollars for us to exhume Amanda, mm-hmm. to have her tested, um, to, uh, to reinter her. There's <clears throat> probably going to be a new casket, a new vault, all that stuff that will have to be done. So it'll be many thousands of dollars. And we and, do not want to put that on Leslie. Correct. So we're raising money and we're doing so by selling a limited edition treated like trash shirt. Yeah. It comes in royal blue. It's the same color as the trash can she was found in. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can find that at solvecrimes.tv. Just uh, click on shop and you will yep. you'll find it there. Yep. And the response, Kenny, oh, yeah. when it's been it's been terrific. Yeah. So immediately we were seeing orders for the shirts and we've made a good dent. I think that we've raised about twenty percent of what we'll need. Already. Already just in the first yeah. weekend. Yeah. So thank you, everybody. And if you want to support uh, that effort, and if you want to support Rick and I, you can. There's other stuff that you can buy there in the merchandise shop. Yeah, (laughs) if you want a fancy mug, I already got a fancy mug. Your mug is fancy. You can't see it. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, anyway, so we're we're grateful for people. Yeah, that was a good uh, good response we got on there. Wanted to go over some of the things, some of the tips that happened in the wake of the new video. Yes. That's uh, an interesting movement there. Yeah. So where should I start? Why don't I start at, why don't we start at Dr. Virtus? Okay. Okay. So guys, Diane Virtus, MD, mm-hmm. is the pathologist. She was the medical examiner that... Um, that examined Amanda's body and performed that autopsy. She is the one that, in my opinion, did a really sloppy job. Uh, I think that the autopsy that report that she wrote was cut and paste. Mm-hmm. She wrote in things. She wrote in things like Amanda suffered from chronic hepatitis, <laughs> and and like, and I think that was in there because many heroin addicts suffer from chronic hepatitis, but when Dr. Comparini tested for hepatitis. There was nothing in those right. slides to again copy paste, right? Yeah, I think it was just a copy paste. You know, get get this thing done. I mean, there's so many things that even even just recently in the last month that we've learned 
you know, as far as like the, you know, the temperature of the body and that kind of thing, when you're supposed to yeah. do things and when you're supposed to photograph things and et cetera. Yeah. It was just really sloppy. And, um, and I know that it bothers Leslie when we ignore the conspiracy because I, I lean more that direction that there was some kind of conspiracy. Uh, but beyond that, it was also just really terrible work. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Dr. Dr. Virtus is the medical examiner that examined Amanda and we got a comment or no, we got a clue tip form submission that said that we should look at another case in Buffalo mm-hmm. where Dr. Virtus was the medical examiner. And by the way, there's no shortage of controversial cases in Buffalo, New York yeah. with Diane Virtus's signature on them. And we should also say, just as an aside, that uh, uh, if somebody didn't catch it in the first time, uh, the first video with Kenny, um, Kenny actually worked with Dr. Virtus. Not super closely, but they worked in the same department, I believe, right? Yeah, they were in Syracuse. I think she yeah. was like the weekend medical but, I mean, examiner. Pretty interesting. Yeah, he, he knows her. He doesn't have anything bad to say about her. He, yeah, yeah. He thinks that she's a... A decent enough, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he didn't have anything he did not bad have to anything say negative, about yeah. her personally. Well, based on his interaction with her, which was kind of limited, he said. I think she yeah. worked, she did weekends, and he was you know every once in a while in there doing paperwork. But uh, um, but you know, and it could very well be we should be straight up. It could very well be that the system in Buffalo is corrupt, and she joined the team, or she is a pawn, and she right. had no control exactly you know, over Cause, any cause of all, that. That was the other thing that Kenny said is that he has seen those situations in major cities and not major cities where, where the politics gets involved, right? And it pressures the Emmys to do stuff that they don't want to do. And they put 19, 20, 21 years of mm-hmm. education into their career. Mm-hmm. And if they, if they run afoul of one selfish or corrupt politician, all of that goes out the window. Their whole career, right? Correct. Their families, the whole thing. So, yeah. You know, it's certainly possible that Dr. Virtus is just a pawn. This may be a this. whole new series for us, Gavin. The the <laughs> corrupt politicians ruining the Emmys around the country. Who knows? Yeah. You know, most people probably don't know this. We, I didn't know it. Uh, Kenny told us in the United States, there's only like 400 um, certified forensic pathologists in the entire United States. Yep. Yep. And they tend to be underpaid for the amount of work that they're asked to do. Um, and they do it because, you know, I talked with Kenny about this. I, I asked him about it. I asked him if he's ever been like grossed out or anything like that during an autopsy. And for him, it's an almost religious experience. The, the way he described it was there are two events in your life that are the most important events of your life, mm-hmm. the, your birth and your death. Mm-hmm. And we, owe it to people who die under mysterious circumstances to know that the way they died for the purpose of treating them like a human being. I think the stuff that grossed them out was the politics. (laughs) Yeah. That stuff really bothered him. Right. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, so people go into forensic pathology, I think mostly for the best reasons. Yeah. And there are few that do it because it's a, it's a hard path in medicine and it's underappreciated and underpaid. And occasionally you get stiffed. Sorry. But um Okay, kind of so a dead end job really if you think about it. Uh, no, keep going. <laughs> no, don't let me keep going. <laughs> I've had caffeine, it's just not a good thing. You're killing me, Tracewell. <laughs> okay. Um uh, 
So somebody said we ought to take a look at this other case, and I want to give you the highlights of it. And that just came in, didn't it? Yeah, in March. It was March 18 of 2021 that it was reported. But the death happened. No, 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 the the tip came in just recently. Yeah, the the tip just came in. Okay. And they they pointed us to an article and a video. uh, And what happened was back in October of 2012, a Catholic priest was found dead in his rectory. His name is Father, Father Joseph Moreno. Rick is trying really hard not to laugh on microphone. Rectory, Rick. That is not even closely related to the anus like you think oh, it shit. is. Oh, shit. Here we go with the anus. A rectory. I'm sorry. All right. Um. He was found dead in his recliner, basically in his office, with a gunshot wound to the left side of his head. It was kind of behind and below his ear. The gun was found like between his leg and the arm of his recliner. And uh, anyway, it was not on the floor. It was it was in the chairs. Okay. Right. And his hand was found on his lap. Now, what's suspicious about this is that. Well, there's a lot of suspicious stuff based on what you told me. Father Joseph Moreno, first of all, was right handed. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you. Oh, I skipped over one part. Dr. Diane Verdes ruled this a suicide. Okay. All right. So suicide ruled by the ME in Buffalo, New York. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the weird stuff. Father Moreno was right-handed, which typically a right-handed person would kill themselves with their right hand, if they're right-hand dominant, uh, typically on the right side of their head, or they will, they will put it in their mouth, or they will shoot themselves Under through the chin. The chin. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I believe it's damn near 100% right-handed on the right side, by the way. That's it's my close. Guess. Yeah. It's, it's possible... Like I've talked with another uh, pathologist who says, no, if you're right hand dominant, you can kill yourself with your left hand. You might well, be possible. Thinking, yes. But yeah, typically not. Typically not. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, and there's another but, thing though, right? But the other thing is about six years <clears throat> prior to his death, Father Moreno was attacked in his church by a man with a knife that cut his arm and hand so severely, so severely that it cut nerves mm-hmm. deep. And he lost use, basically, of his left hand. I mean, he could he could move it. He, he could move his arm. He could put his hand in his pocket, for example. Yeah. Well, but you he, gave a good he, example. Anybody who's uh, over thirty, go ahead and give the example. What did I say? Like Bob Dole? Bob is that Dole, what I yeah, said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody like, under thirty is not going to know who that is. He he could grab a pen. You know, well, that's what he, he could used to hold do. Was hold the pen. Yeah. He would hold a pen in his fist. Yeah. So that people would shake his right hand instead of his exactly. left hand, yeah. right? And so he could give autographs quicker. That's just a guess. <laughs> no. Um, so anyway, that was the case with Father Moreno. He, he had no real use of his left hand. So You don't have to be a had... pathologist to see that that's probably not how it happened. And what Dr. Vertis said was when the police brought her the body, they said, this is a suicide. And um, Any good apparently... pathologist knows that's not... A good enough excuse. You start medical over. examiners do are supposed to examine what the police have. 
as part of their sure. examination. Sure. But you don't just depend on a cop coming in and say, hey, we got a suicide for you here, Didn't Doc. Didn't somebody say to us in recently in an interview with us that, uh, that they typically look at it as a murder first and try to rule it out when it's something that could be a murder? In some situations where it's like, yeah. hey, this, this is kind of weird. Right. Let's start at murder and try to exclude it. I mm-hmm. think that was Kenny that told Might us that. Might be Kenny, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, if if Father Moreno killed himself, then he wrapped his right hand around his head hmm. and held the gun. Now, if you like and held the gun behind his ear and shot his his himself so that the gun fired forward into his head. And so the muzzle it's not was against the skin, right? The muzzle was against the skin and it was upright. So like the sight imprint was Facing I mean, up. this is the so, podcast, so they can't see what you're doing, Gavin. But <laughs> yeah, but but, like, but it's you know, for those of you listening, it it looks cartoonish and ridiculous. There's just no way you he would be able to do that. And, I, and we don't yeah. even. Know, I mean, how big of a gun are we talking about, too? You know, it was, it, was a, a, it was like a 38 revolver. Okay. Yeah. So it wasn't like a like a single action army from the 1800s or anything. Oh, right. but here's the other thing about that gun. Hmm. Let me tell you about this gun. That gun was found by one of her, uh, one of his parishioners. Okay. And that parishioner brought the gun into Father Moreno to turn into police, which he did. And he was shot with that gun. Oh. Buffalo. Buffalo, yeah. Buffalo. Now, why, why, would a, why would a Buffalo priest be shot? Well, Father Moreno was disgusted by all the sexual abuse that had been happening in the Catholic Church, and he knew about what was happening in the diocese, and he was a whistleblower and was about to go public with all of his information when he was shot, and his office was cleared out by a deacon in the church prior to the police showing up. So all of those files went away. I tell you. But anyway, like... I, I, uh, I Buffalo, dude. Seriously. Buffalo. And Virtus. And Virtus, yeah. Now, here's the other thing is Virtus, like, promised the twin sister of Father Marino that if she could prove medically that he couldn't use his, his left hand, that she would change the cause of death to homicide. Um, the Catholic Church, it was Catholic insurance that that addressed Father Moreno when he was injured. They would not release his information to the sister and then Dr. Virtus uh, inexplicably and suddenly retired in 2013. So guys, there's just so much going on in the city of Buffalo that is so really just corrupt. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But there, okay. So there's something else that came in. when When did that happen then? It happened 2012. 2012. Okay. So Virtus so was the, the tip chief that came medical in was, examiner. Hey, you should look into this one too. Yeah. It, okay. And, and you know what? Here's here's one of those things that we have to be careful about. The tip came in and said, "Hey, he found there were two gunshot wounds to his head." Right? Like, okay, so somebody played weird. a game of telephone a million times. Mm-hmm. There were not two gunshot wounds to his head. There was one gunshot wound to his head. You don't have to make things more salacious than I they know. already are. People do. Um, but. Yeah, there was no way he would he could have committed suicide, and uh, Doctor Virtus either voluntarily or was forced to kind of play along with that. Uh, yeah, pretty terrible. And that you know it again. You and I are both on the same page. I think here we we do understand logically that 
conspiracies do happen. We just don't like to jump to those first because you get you get your thinking gets skewed when you do that. You know, correct. So and we've not done that with Amanda, even though we've had a lot of people that, you know, uh, had for years prior to our getting involved, um, had thought that it was a conspiracy and they they were kind of putting that out there to us. And we kind of refused and went, no, 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 let us figure this out on our own. But we both have to admit there are some pretty squirrely things going on in Buffalo. Yeah, I'm always fighting like internally. I have I'm, I have I have a struggle. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm always fighting against the the desire to just go, okay, this is a full blown conspiracy. <laughs> exactly. I'm yeah. always fighting against that. But the the cameras that disappeared and, you know, the, all the cameras, DNA yeah. and all the just all the stuff not following up on tips that the Buffalo PD knew about Kelvin Jackson from day one. Mm-hmm. Kelvin Jackson was a acquaintance slash friend of Antoine Garner's who Antoine called four times the night of December 5th and asked if he could ask another friend to, for Antoine to borrow his truck. Yeah. And Kelvin goes, you call him, man. I don't need to be calling him this. Yeah. Why do you even need a truck anyway? Oh, I need to move. You don't own anything. What do you mean you need to move? There's nothing that you own. So, uh, so anyway, they they knew about Kelvin Jackson. They <clears throat> never talked to him. Yeah, that kind of stuff, right? That just bothers me well, so. And bad. the building next to the church where her body was found, the cameras, the footage from the security cameras that were aimed right there disappeared, and then it turns out that it's the building's, you know, at least co-owned. It's contracted owned. by the city of Buffalo. Yeah, and the, and the mayor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that sort of stuff. Um, it just it just kills but me. There, you I know, think... the fact is there are corrupt politicians there are corrupt situations there are a lot of uh you know people who i mean you know because i'm immediately picturing that that if there was some stuff that that uh that father moreno was discovering it could very easily lead to some famous people who would be caught up in all that dude the da at the time of that case is a guy named john flynn he's still the da uh, the lawyer that defended the Catholic Church, the Buffalo Diocese of the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. in um, in those cases, was a big contributor to the campaign of John Flynn. <laughs> right, and he refused to look. Well, at you've the heard cases that phrase, him. "Follow the money," right? Yeah, it, just it really is me true. So bad. Yeah, it is. It that, is true. So, yeah. Okay. So, moving on to other stuff. There's other stuff. We, we got a comment on that last video that I, I think I'm going to read it because I can't. Okay. So sh- this is about the stun gun video. It's so sad that this case has been treated the way it is. Everybody knows that Amanda was murdered. Even the police and homicide detectives, the homicide detectives were told to step back. I know this because I took care of a captain who was very sick. Hmm. His son was a homicide detective who worked on the case. He was sick over this and retired. It was very hard for him to even say he worked on her case and was then told no more investigating. <laughs> and, and that's something like well, we've been told that multiple times that at some point in the investigation, everybody was told drop well, it. I mean, at the very least, it was after the ME's report came out saying it was not a murder, right? Well, some people have even said that when they were beginning on January Uh, 10th to begin to do the autopsy, somebody came in 
and cleared the room and said, there's nothing to see here. This was an accident. So, you know, there were detectives working on the case in the room to witness the autopsy and they were ordered out by some unknown individual. And the person who said that, I'm not going to say his name because when he told us that he was a Buffalo detective mm-hmm. and he said that I will never repeat again right. what I'm telling you now, unless it's on like I'm a, on the witness stand and you right. subpoena me. If you subpoena me and depose me, I will tell you everything. Mm-hmm. But, uh, well, we're, we're getting there. Yeah, we're getting close. We may, we may actually close. get there one day. That'd be that'd be incredible. Yeah, uh, I've even talked to like. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to say. I don't want to say who this person is or what or how they know this. But let's just say that this person was in. In the um, in the company of Byron Brown. Mayor Byron Brown and who they call Junior, who is Byron Brown the Third, his right. son. Mm-hmm. He was in their company when the mayor ordered his son to get out of town at the time that they were investigating. Now, are we? Am I right death. that? Am I correct in in remembering that uh, that Junior was a known acquaintance of Antoine's, or is that kind of a gray area? So I haven't I haven't been able to corroborate that. I've okay. been told that, but right. I, there's no evidence linking. We were it. also told a lot of other things too. <laughs> Correct. So I um, unless something is proven, yeah, I tend not to repeat it, even though mm-hmm. just now I repeated something that is unproven. <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> That's right. So, but I, I'm only doing that to show you that there's multiple people who have told us this same thing. Right. Um. I know of another person who uh, we're trying to get him on camera for our other project where he worked at the Erie County Medical Examiner's Office and was so upset with how horribly the place was run at the time Mm -hmm. in 2008, how horribly the place was run and how political it was that he retired. He left and he left in like October, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, whatever that is, two and a half, three months before Before Amanda Amanda died. Well, and. You know, and let's let's. Uh, I think we can. You know, I think we can say this uh, that uh, there's still stuff squirrely going on. I mean, you know, Amanda's mom Leslie just recently, what a week ago, yeah, went to the ME's office to present them with some paperwork, and was practically thrown the National Guard at her. <laughs> yeah, actually, this is going to be our next episode, so mm-hmm. let's give everybody a preview on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Basically, what's happening here is there are three government agencies that all have their hands in their fingerprints are all over Amanda's case. Yeah. The first is the most obvious, which is the Buffalo Police. Mm -hmm. Right. They're the investigative arm of that. The second is the district attorney's office. They are also investigative, but they're prosecutorial mainly. And then the ME's office is the third. They're the ones who do the medical examinations. Okay. There is a law in the state of New York. There are probably similar laws in other states where if there's new evidence, you have to submit that evidence to the appropriate office, the agency that's in charge of that in a certain amount of time. And if they don't do anything with it, you have the right to force them to do it. It's called an article 78. It's a lawsuit. And you basically are saying, hey, you're acting arbitrarily and capriciously with the evidence that I gave you. You, And then the court, 
would, if you win that suit, the court forces that agency to look into it. Right. right? But if you don't do that within like 120 days. Yeah, that's the thing. How ridiculous is, you know, how do they expect someone who's the average Joe? And I'm, and I'm talking about you and I, Leslie, anybody, right? If, if something like that happens, how do you have the fortitude and the knowledge to figure stuff like that out in that short of amount of time? Yes. And in Evidence the law, comes written, up. obviously, we found that, you know, yeah, multiple times. Written into the law says that ignorance of something is not um, like, like ignorance of evidence. Mm. Yeah. If, if you have the evidence, but you don't know you have the evidence. Yeah. Ignorance of the evidence does not reset that time limit. You have a duty to know the evidence, understand the evidence, and submit it. As right? a citizen. At, yes, as a layperson. BS. It is. It's crap. So, okay. There should so be a found... procedure to, you know, at least have some type of a hearing or something, you know? Correct. But there isn't. So we We need to bring back out... the inquest. That's what we need to bring we, back. The coroner's inquest. Yes. We need that in, we need to bring in that back. the state of New York. Yeah. Okay, so we found out about the 6-monoacetylmorphine being important mm-hmm. um, in February of, of this year, basically, right? On February 11th is when we got an expert opinion in. And that, that was basically, there's an argument to be made that on February 11th, that's when that 120-day countdown starts. Okay, so, okay. so on February 13th, we presented that evidence written and verbal mm-hmm. written in written form and verbally to the senior chief investigator of the district attorney's office, right. Mark Vaughn. Yep. He then said, I only need two weeks to, to investigate this. And we gave him two pieces of investigate, uh, two pieces to investigate the six monoacetylmorphine and Kelvin Jackson. Right. 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 Okay. Then he proceeded to ghost us. Mm-hmm. I, we gave him two weeks, and then I called him, yep. and then I called him, and then I called him, then I texted and him. You and you recorded every him. one of those, didn't you? I did. Yeah. It's like, and he just completely ghosted us until finally, we're way past a month later. He responded with a, "Hey, Gavin, sorry, I, you know, whatever excuse. Uh, I ran it up the flagpole, and then I texted back, "Hey, thanks for getting back to me, Mark. What does running up the flagpole mean? Have, yeah. You know, and ghost again. I got nothing from him. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's so like you're dating him. <laughs> yeah, it's the worst. All right. So then we go, okay, well, let's go to the um, Buffalo PD. Mm-hmm. And when we look into the Buffalo PD files, there is an investigator named Mary Evans who to us looks like the one who is the most conscientious about this. She is, she, she worked the case a long time and followed up on leads for a long time. And when I talked with another uh, former police officer named Joe Scarpina, he said, he told me, you should call Mary Evans because she cares. I went, great, I will. And I left her a message that I thought was like, like if I were a fisherman, it was the perfect bait. Like I, I did not mention Amanda Winkowski. I didn't mention anything. I just was like, hey, Mary. My name's Gavin. I'm an independent journalist. I have you some have information. You may have the lottery. Please call me. <laughs> <laughs> I have some information for you. And Joe Scarpina from the New York State Trooper says, you're the person I need to talk to and that you will care about this. And I left that voicemail and ring. A couple hours later, she called me back. Yep. Yep. Okay. So now I'm not bad-mouthing Mary at all because I, I do think that she cares. And I do think that she's conscientious. But I also think that her hands are tied. 
mm-hmm. on this. Mm-hmm. So what did she tell? She told me this needs to go to the uh, to the uh, medical examiner's office. I went, okay, I'll go to the medical examiner's office. So I write up a letter, a cover letter for Dr. Simon's report, and Leslie says, I'll take it to the medical examiner's office. She goes and gets it notarized, puts it in an envelope, goes to the medical examiner's office, and delivers this manila envelope. And the woman at the front desk, you saw the video, Rick, right? I actually uh, have not. She, I will watch Oh, it. you haven't? Okay. No, I will. She... Um, she was helpful. Like she's like, "What can I do for you? How Probably can I know help?" The history of it. Yeah, the whole thing. How can I help? Okay, yeah. And she takes the Manila envelope, and then she disappears into the back. A few minutes later, she comes back and she hands the envelope back to Leslie. I wish Leslie hadn't taken it back. I know, I know. And then goes because they had already taken. We're not custody. Yeah, of we're not taking delivery of this. You need to talk to our lawyer, and if you don't leave, we're calling the police. Boy, that escalated quickly. It was just like that. And guess what? They called the police. They did. Like, and Leslie, Leslie sat there and argued for a minute. She's like, wait a minute. I'm just trying to deliver. Do I look threatening to you? I yeah. just want to give this to the chief medical She's examiner. politically threatening to them. That's right. What and is. she goes, we are not accepting it. It has to go to our lawyer. Who's our lawyer? You need to figure that out. <laughs> I don't know who our lawyer is. I'm calling the police. <sighs> And they did. So by the time they get back out to their car, their car is surrounded by police armed that prevent them from leaving. Right. The whole thing. I mean, how many years ridiculous. later? Twelve. Are, and they're still. So, you know, so the, the whole conspiracy thing, I mean, it's hard not to see that there's something going on, Gavin. Yeah. yeah you know, it is. this isn't just a hit and miss thing where, you know, every once in a while, she gets some weird response. This is, I mean, that that's an escalation that is absolutely unnecessary. Dude, and let Unless me, you have let me say really this. Unless you really nasty to hide. Like, I don't think the Buffalo police are right. party to this, um, to this conspiracy. I right. don't. Yeah, I, don't I think that, that they tried either. to do their job. Yeah. And, and I told Mary Evans that, and she said, I appreciate that. And she even, I said, I told her, I think that once the... Autopsy report came in. I think that put the brakes on the investigation. And she kind of corrected me. She's like, I wouldn't characterize it like that. Look at the files. You'll see that I worked on this for years. Hmm. I was like, really? Yeah. And she's she's right. They did. She did. Um, But anyway, and the police that were called on Leslie, they were nothing but professional. Yeah. They they were professional about the whole thing. They didn't know what Mm -hmm. they were coming into. Yeah. Right. And they talked with Leslie. They were just called by a local government. Agency. Yeah. Yeah. Now, look, Leslie decided, I think the place that I need to go to is the department, the health commissioner's office, because they oversee the medical. And did she say that out loud, by the way? (laughs) I think she did say it out loud because when she got there. Right. There were armed police at the door saying you may not come in. But there was one police officer who uh, I I won't mention his name or his title. Mm -hmm. He told everybody to stand down. It's like he recognized her and said, Leslie, come in. And he accepted delivery of that letter. So kudos to that officer who I won't name. Doing the right thing. But he did the right thing. Yeah. And and I think that in in a police force... You know, if somebody orders you to not let somebody into the building, that's what they do. Well, right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't blame I don't blame them either. I, I think this goes way higher than that. It goes way higher than that front desk yeah. woman. It goes, you know, 
So. Yeah, because she was helpful until she was ordered not to be. Right, right. And uh, yeah. anyway. Well, we'll be featuring that with all the details, and we'll probably interview Leslie to get her side of it. Yeah. You've, so this you've uh, this Amanda case keeps keeps on going, everybody. If you've been following it, it, it uh, it's just it's never-ending. So, but but yeah. we are, I mean, I'm optimistic. I don't know about you. I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, it's going to be a long haul, but yeah, I'm optimistic that, that things are going to get, it's, be, it's bigger than Leslie now, which is really what needed to happen. Yeah. I think that the weapon that people use in cases like this to keep them from going forward is just time. Yeah. You know, they've been able to hold this off for 12 years. Mm-hmm. Can they hold it off another, can they hold it off till Leslie just is Yeah, it's almost like it's too late for them to back down now. They've, they've, you know, they've yeah. made their position known and, and, uh, but it's going to be their downfall. That's my, there's opinion. another case that you and I are aware of that is now 30 years old, that the family is still fighting Yes. on this mm-hmm. 30 years. Yep. And I just, I just hope that we're not here an, no. in another 18 years. No, I don't think so. It's, uh, no. so yeah, they, they just hope that you'll get down on yourself, that you'll stop trying, that you'll run out of energy. You'll run out of money. I'd run out of money. Yep. Yep. You know, or, or, or someone will die. I mean, they're, they're honestly, they're, they're digging their heels in to any of those conclusions that, you know, whatever, whatever works for them. But, uh, but I think that we're, I think we're making enough noise. We're gathering, you know, we, you know, you know what I'm talking about when I say that we're gathering the right people around us to help make this bigger. Right. And, yeah. uh, and we'll, we'll describe that later, but it's, uh, but I think it's, it's gotten bigger than, than the, you know, Erie County, County medical examiner and anybody else who's pulling their strings or pressuring them. Um, I think it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and it's, it's becoming a giant snowball and I'm, I'm glad to see it happen. I hope they are, you know, we've had a few people we won't name that, that their theory, you know, they're, they're in the Buffalo area and, and know of, of all this. And, uh, uh, and their theory is that, is that I think the, the quote was, uh, that the DA's office and the medical examiner's office are crapping their pants right now. Yeah. And that response that Leslie thought. got sure does seem to, to lend credibility to that statement. But we've got we've got that evidence now delivered. Now we're preparing because we know that they'll ignore it. We know that they won't move on it. They haven't no. moved on it in twelve years. No. So semantics. We're so we're preparing that Article seventy eight, and we're going to force them. We'll basically file a lawsuit against the district attorney's office, the medical examiner's office, mm-hmm. and the Buffalo PD. Yeah. Force them to investigate that. Yeah. Um, and. Like I said, I don't think the Buffalo PD deserves it. I think they want to solve cases, but we have to do it. Yeah. 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 The politics of things definitely can mess things up. And, and it, uh, you know, while I understand it, I don't appreciate it when things are, are, you know, when the right thing is not done. And you and I seem to see that more often than not these days. Mm-hmm. Of course, we're going to, because we're looking into cold cases. Yes. But I, you know, in my heart of hearts, I think that most police investigators are like Joe Cephalou, our, our in-house retired detective. Mm-hmm. I think they want to solve these things. I think oh, they I want to see. you giant mustaches. They have the most amazing <laughs> beard. No, they're like, uh, uh, they care, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, but because we're dealing with cases that with special circumstances, we're just mm-hmm. kind of running into the worst of. Yeah. These bureaus. Yeah. And the, you know, and the, the other one we're dealing with is a, uh, uh, that will be, you know, 
bring it to light soon enough. Um, it's a it's a different kind of politics. It's a it's a we don't want to get our hands dirty on that one because they're taking care of it kind of a thing, and and so we don't want to get involved. And you know nobody wants to get their hands dirty, you know. And they know that there's a murderer walking free. Correct. And that's the thing, you know, like we talked about. I mean, as a citizen of the state that this particular case that we're talking about is in, um, it really bothers me. If 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 the rumors are true that there were political aspirations that were placed in front of the right thing to do and putting a murderer, a murderer behind bars. Boy, that bothers me. Yeah. You know, sorry. (laughs) You know. Police so, hey, um, not, not just a, I meant dirty, meaning like like the stuff that they have to do is is not clean. You know, that there are yeah. cases that aren't fun. You know, I didn't mean the police were dirty. I didn't want, want to make sure. Yeah, I poli- that. Correct. It's, yeah. But they're actually, Rick, that is the reoccurring theme here is it's usually not the police. It is the other bureaus that are involved mm-hmm. that that stymie their but hard this work. This is one of those unlike unlike uh, uh the uh, Reagan era uh, uh, politics, this does trickle down. <laughs> to the, hey, listen, to the as a student of economics, <laughs> Reagan was right. <laughs> We're not in the same room or we'd be arm wrestling right now. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It does trickle down to where it becomes, I think, like with the medical examiner's office, I think when, when it starts that high and it becomes part of the norm, right? You, yeah. You just go with it. And, and it, I don't know. You know what? Let's let's talk about we're not going to talk about that case. But Rick, tell us what you learned this week about kind of what journalists have to do in order to learn how to get the system to, I guess, deliver information that they're legally obliged to deliver. Right. There are public records in cases. And when when the whatever agencies are involved are, you know, basically circling the wagons and, and, you know, trying to create a shield so that the public doesn't get the information and the facts, either in a timely manner or ever, right? Um, the uh, uh, There are journalist tricks that, and they're not really tricks, they're just ways to get that information when it should be readily available to the press, um, which is, you know, that's the whole reason why those things are deemed public, right? Is, is it Correct. supposed to be public? It's supposed to be available to the public. And so there are tricks that the, that the uh, law agencies, you know, I, I, you know, could be police, could be district attorney's office, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and they play these tricks that make it more difficult for the general public to find information. And it was like a revelation for you and I. We went, oh, well, that helped. <laughs> you know, I don't want to say yeah. exactly what it was, but, um, you know, but it, uh, it is interesting. Let me, let me say exactly one of the dirty tricks that, okay. that bureaus will do, though. Yeah. Let's say that I'm in whatever, Podunk County, Podunk State, <laughs> whatever, yeah. right? And there is an egregious crime that you don't want anybody to ever to get information on. They will go to neighboring Podunk County and they will do all of their filing over there. Right. Because nobody's watching. Because nobody's watching. And so when somebody does a public records request over in Podunk County number one, mm-hmm. they don't find anything. They can say we we have nothing. Which here. is what happened to us, right? We yep. we were looking for warrants and we found one from two years later. It wasn't related to the to the case that we were working on. And this and and a new journalist friend of ours, like my new best friend, <laughs> she, she kind of informed, wait, you're looking in the wrong county. I went, what? <laughs> what do you mean we're looking at? No, this is the right county. Uh-huh. 
yeah that that opened a lot of eyes for us and and uh yeah that was a revelation yeah and there like there's another trick that i'm doing in the amanda winkowski case um i'll just i'll just put it out there okay yeah so amanda's autopsy report was signed by four MEs Mm -hmm. and everybody who we talked to goes, I've never seen anything signed by four MEs and the defense over in Erie County is what? No, we, we sign these things like this all the time. Right. (laughs) Well, I can't get all the autopsies from, I, I thought, okay, let me get all the autopsies from let's say January, 2008 to January, 2009. Amanda's came out. February of 2009. So that way I can look at every single autopsy and see, right? Okay. No, I can't get all those because I don't, I lack standing in many cases because they're not, I'm not next of kin, Mm -hmm. you know, all that stuff and not enough time has passed for it to be public and everything. But you know, what is public record? It's the invoices that the Erie County medical examiner's office generates Mm -hmm. Every time they create an autopsy and that is public record. And so when I count, when I contact the County controller, he's like, sure. Yeah. And it has the information on who signed the autopsy on the invoices. Who and how, and how many who's. Yep. Yeah. So (laughs) it's just, we're learning a lot here, Rick. Yeah. I mean, we were pretty resourceful guys to begin with, but we're, we're learning a whole new, you know, area of resourcefulness that, that. And people like your new best journalist friend and other friends in the Buffalo area that have kind of guided us on this sort of stuff, we never would have been able to move any of this without Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. We really appreciate it. Well, and those are, again, like you were saying earlier, you were alluding to that, that, uh, you know, people like Joe Suffler, you're, you know, there are good people out there who want to do the right thing, but they also don't want to slit their own throat, so to speak. Uh, either yeah. politically or, or career wise. Um, so they, uh, but given the opportunity, like handing it, the information off to us or advising us that that's a way for them to do the right thing or to help because mm-hmm. they, yeah. they, it's been eating them up. And I can understand like, like I can't speak for Leslie, but from the things that she said, I can understand her point of view that everybody's against her. Mm-hmm. I, like I be yeah. 12 years of fighting. Yeah. It feels like the world's against you. Right. Yeah. But we're finding, we're finding that most people in those bureaus on a personal level are good people and want to help. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they, they just... But they won't throw away their career over one little case. And, and I you do can't understand that. Them. That's right. Yeah. I do understand that. It's not the right thing, but I do understand it. But then again, it's like, look, that's the business you got in. You know, and they're probably not warned of that in school. <laughs> you know, they should yeah. have a, a class on that, on an ethics class on <laughs> getting into yeah, politics. Yeah. Yeah. But pretty terrible. Yeah. Um, I think we got some other cases coming up here in the near future that uh, people will be interested in. Uh, to say the if, least. If you like what it is that we're doing, here's our shameless plug of the podcast. Yep. Please either go to our website and buy something from our merch store that would help us financially to do this. But our new thing. Uh, or you can join our Patreon. Yes. Explain what Patreon, Patreon is. Because before we start doing all this, I mean, a lot of most people don't aren't aware of it unless they're big podcast fans. Yeah. So Patreon is a service that allows people like us, podcasters and YouTubers, People who are uh, working hard to get good content out or uh, people who are trying to solve crimes like us or Mm -hmm. uh, people who are doing good things, 
that you just can't monetize, right? It's very difficult to yeah. monetize things. Patreon makes it possible where you could go in there and say, you know what, I'm going to monetarily support these guys because I like what it is that they're doing. Right. And it's kind of like crowdfunding in a sense. We give you perks. So in yeah. our case, if you go in and you become one of our patrons, uh, we'll give you access to files and photos that we don't give access to other people. We'll give, we're doing live Q and A's. There's a whole bunch of stuff yeah, that you can't we get will. Otherwise. And, and just to give you an idea, I mean, some of the people that we've discussed this with are, I mean, there are people who, uh, you know, a friend of mine, I don't know if you saw that thread, Gavin, but, uh, a friend of mine wanted to support the Amanda Winkowski case, um, and uh, she ordered a shirt and uh, and said, don't send the shirt. I, I just want to help support the family. Well, this is another way to help do that. I mean, you, honestly, yeah. it may not be going directly to uh, the cases, but we're, uh, uh, the stuff that we do are helping these families. Um, th this is it's not just a podcast entertaining people. We're actually doing things. I mean, if you, if you had any idea the type of work that we do seven days a week on these cases, yeah. you know, and, and we're talking to the families. I mean, how many hours have you spent on the phone with Leslie on this case? I don't know, but uh, one of our uh, one of the people that we're working with on a on a on a project it's it's the same project, but it'll come to light later. Mm -hmm. um, those people we're on hour long or two oh. hour long meetings, sometimes three times a day. Yes. It, it and so just from the bottom of our hearts, guys, we love doing this. We started doing it because we love doing this, mm -hmm. but we also need to feed our families. And if right. you want to help us to do this and still, you know, survive, you could, you could buy a t-shirt or a mug, or you could go to Patreon and, and become a yeah, patron and, and for the like Patreon five thing, bucks I mean, a month. It's as little as $5 a month. I mean, you don't yep. have to spend a ton of money. We're not trying to make it sound crazy. Yeah. The other thing that you can do, we totally understand we're in the middle of a pandemic. It's, it's wreaked economic havoc on everybody. We totally get it. Another way that you can support us without putting any money into it is going to our YouTube channel and watching the videos, hitting the like button and subscribing. That helps get those videos out to more people. Yep. The more people see it, the more movement we make on these cases. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the beauty of what we do. And we, we say that all the time, but I'm going to keep saying it. Yeah. So the more eyeballs, the more these cases move. And, and we're proving that yeah. month by month. So, However you decide to support us, yeah. or if you don't decide to support us, we really appreciate you listening and watching, yep. and uh, we'll keep you up to date uh, next week on what we do this week. Sounds good. Okay. Thanks, Gavin. Thanks, Rick. See ya. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Solve Crimes with Rick and Gavin podcast. Please subscribe to keep up to date with the cases that we feature. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, Solve Crimes with Rick and Gavin, and you can find us on virtually all social media. You can find out more information about our channel and the things that we're up to by visiting our website, solvecrimes.tv.